District of Conservation is sponsored by the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow. CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to cfact.org. Thank you so much for listening to the program. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. Welcome to a special Wednesday episode of the podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. We are having some unseasonably warm weather in the DC metro area, my corner of the Beltway, Northern Virginia. It's in the 50s today. It's expected to go up to the 60s. I don't mind the mercurial weather because being from California originally, I still like sunshine. I am not privy to the cold or super bone chilling temperatures, but I don't mind that we're a little fickle and mercurial when it comes to weather. But more importantly, today I have a very quick episode on something that's been on my mind. I have a blog post now at Independent Women's Forum. There's going to be an accompanying social media video explaining this. And this is not to rag on Taylor Swift. I actually want to come to her defense and say, hey, be careful with the carbon offsets that you're buying because there's a lot of problems and set with those type of purchases. And here's why I want to convey this message. I know she likely won't hear it. I'm kind of ambivalent about her personally. I don't have feelings for her one way or another. She's super talented. Hey, she's a billionaire too. Kudos to that. And she's been criticized for her footprint for jet setting all over the world, especially in the last three months. She was heavily criticized for her travels of visiting her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, and it was just revealed by her team that they invested in carbon credits ahead of her really groundbreaking record-setting eras tour. I've had plenty of friends go to her shows this last year. They've gone to the movies to support her. And relatedly, I thought it was unfair that climate change was blamed for her concert in Brazil and the death of one of her fans. They were like, well, Taylor Swift ignores climate change and the catastrophe associated with it. Therefore, she's evil. So maybe that also factored into her team releasing this update that they invested in carbon offsets. But let's go over what this story is. And again, if you need to refer to any source material, check out my blog at Independent Women's Forum today called Taylor Swift Shouldn't Sully Her Reputation with Problematic Carbon Offsets. She's trying to shake off criticism she's received for her very voluminous carbon footprint for her private jet and all the travel she's made ahead of her time dating Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs, but more recently with her travels for her era's tour. And it was revealed on Unilid last month that, according to her team, she purchased more than double the carbon credits needed to offset all tour travel ahead of her March 2023 kickoff of her wildly successful era's tour. Across the last three months, I believe it was from September to December, continuing from this report, 
that her trips in total produced about 138 tons of carbon dioxide emissions, which is comparable to or equivalent to energy consumed by 17 single family homes a year. And prior to 2023, she was criticized the Eras Tour headliner and mega pop star that she was the most polluting celebrity, according to a British site called The Yard, Yard Media. And they track footprints and carbon emissions of celebrities. And so she got a demerit from them for engaging in egregious behavior in their mind. Not my words, their words. And so she's had this pressure on her buildup. I don't read into her very closely. I don't know her behavior. I know she throws Easter eggs and she really charms her fans and her friends read into all this type of stuff. But I don't know if she's self-conscious about this type of criticism. Maybe she is. And that is why her team decided to get carbon offsets. But as I wrote in IWF, to avoid bad blood with potential environmental allies, because she does have a tendency to become political. She hasn't really weighed into environmental causes yet. Wonder if she will, now that she's kind of been forced to say that she invests in carbon offsets. But she is turning to this carbon market, carbon offsetting system to atone for her egregious climate sins. There are little details as to which carbon offset firm, however, that she or her team went with to obtain their indulgences. Neither her team nor her record label, Universal, divulged whom they went to because, as it's currently understood, when you're buying carbon offsets or engaging in a voluntary carbon market, you're not at liberty to disclose these details. And if you don't know what carbon offsets are, they're tradable rights or certificates linked to activities that lower the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere as presented by MIT, and that's a source I cited. These certificates, in theory, are supposed to offset a buyer's CO2 emissions with an equal amount of CO2 reduction somewhere else. But oftentimes, the opposite effect results when these offsets are applied to projects, especially those in foreign nations. Now, regarding Miss Swift's dalliance with carbon offsetting, the Wall Street Journal editorial board had a great observation in one of their op-eds recently saying that carbon offsets don't significantly reduce emissions, but they do promote the illusion that a net zero world is possible. The op-ed and editorial continues like this. These privately issued credits, let them pretend to be reducing emissions even when they're not. While the credits have a notional financial value, their primary purpose is to deflect criticism. And I've observed this here at CFACT, here on my podcast, and at IWF time and time again, especially as it relates to promoting environmental, social, and governance investing strategies and the related kind of socio-political movement that has resulted from ESG. ESG tenants are now found in budgets. They're found in environmental policy. They're found in this whole of government kind of approach we see from this Biden administration. It may not be overt, but there are tenants of it there. And I could point you to examples if you're interested, but they're there. And so this is part of the ESG movement in a sense that corporations in particular are being pressured to track their emissions. They're pledging to support biodiversity projects. And they say that acceptable forms of obtaining a high score or being in the good graces of environmentalists is to offset their behavior or their perceived bad behavior through carbon offsets or by you know, investing in carbon credits. This is a very common practice, even though ESG proponents themselves have said, well, you can't really offset your behavior with this. And I'm very glad to see that even they have 
much criticism about this practice because when you lose these people, you know the practice is very questionable. So it's not just coming from conservatives, Republicans, oil and gas people, people who work in energy, criticism of carbon offsetting. This is also coming from people on the preservationist left. I cited a lot of them in this blog post for IWF and I think it's important to cite it there. And one investigation I want to point you to, if you need some context and you're like, ugh, I don't trust you because of your politics, I'm going to cite you and send you to The New Yorker. They had a great investigation last fall, which exposed the carbon offsetting firm South Pole for engaging in very surreptitious, questionable practices to the tune of 3 million environmentally worthless credits that were sold to major companies like Nestle, Gucci, and BMW, and a few other very high-profile companies that could then say and declare that their products and services are, in essence, carbon neutral. That's what a lot of these companies do. They they buy these credits. They buy these offsets to say, we're offsetting our bad behavior. We're upsetting our carbon emissions. Therefore, look at us. Look at us engaging in this virtuousness when it comes to the environment. Similarly, as I point out in this blog post, Vera, a third-party verifier and carbon standard firm that is closely associated with South Pole, was similarly caught in deceptive practices with respect to rainforest credits that they were selling. And they, The Guardian in particular magazine, who is very critical of anything that is not ESG-friendly, for instance, said even in their report and investigation into Vera, this third-party verifier, that 94% of rainforest credits by this standard firm turned out to be phantom. And another study that I've linked to in the article found that only 12% of offset projects constitute real emissions reductions. And another investigation by The Guardian found that 78% of carbon offsetting projects are considered junk. That's not reassuring, y'all. That's pretty damning with respect to this. And it's not surprising that in early fall of last year, according to Reuters, that confidence in voluntary carbon markets has plunged to historic lows because they were a big thing when COVID started and when ESG investing started to ramp up and corporations and companies were saying, we're going to be investing in this because we're told to do this and we have to do this to, you know, obfuscate what our real behaviors. And, and a lot of these companies do this, yet they still engage in very questionable activities, even contra ESG Some of these companies, I think some chocolate companies I've reported engage in some questionable human rights practices or they service labor from questionable sources. We talk about EVs. We talk about clean energy projects, a lot of those solar panels and rare earth elements. They're sourced by child labor abroad in third world countries that have horrible environmental track records, horrible human rights records. They can't hide behind ESG because when you look into ESG and you say, okay, maybe let's give this framework some benefit of the doubt. Let's see if it works. They don't even follow and adhere to ESG themselves, which is so funny when these companies buy carbon credits. Oftentimes it's to inflate their image and say, like, look at us, we're virtuous. And then they also game the ESG accounting system to give the appearance that they've bought into this message. And then they're found out to have obtained high ESG scores by gaming the system, paying a lot of money on average, half a million dollars to obtain really high, really good so-called ESG scores. So there is a lot of very fraudulent kind of aspects to this. And I would say it does kind of amount to a scam the more you read into it. And let me bring this back full circle to Taylor Swift. She's a very smart woman smart businesswoman. I don't care what you think of her personally speaking. Like I said, I'm very ambivalent about her. I don't have strong feelings one way or another. She makes some good music. I'm not a diehard fan, but 
she's a smart marketer. She's a smart businesswoman. I don't know who consulted her to get carbon offsets. It just makes no sense. I know she's doing it to kind of like secure and, and shield herself off of criticism because I know that's probably a big thing for her. She doesn't like the negative attention. She's very sensitive by all accounts to attention she garners. So I see why she did this. I don't blame her, but I think she will maybe reconsider in the future. If she really wants to, let's say, have a positive impact on the environment without appearing like a virtue signaler or giving an image that she's caring of the environment, but it turns out that the offsetting that she did doesn't really have a measurable impact or that the environment worsened or certain projects worsened, environmentally speaking, when these carbon offsets turned out to be phantom or fake. So if she really wants to, let's say, better the environment, put her money where her mouth is, she's very philanthropic. She supports a lot of good causes, a lot of causes I don't support either, politically speaking. But when it comes to, let's say, like lunches and and charitable causes, you know, in local communities and food banks, that's great. And so maybe she can find something non-controversial in the environmental front. I think the National Park Foundation, she really wants to be privy to donate somewhere. People love the National Park Foundation, bipartisan support for national parks. She could look to support non-controversial, true conservation causes. I don't think she hunts and fishes. I know she likes eating meat, but if she really wanted to support groups that are not imperiling biodiversity, that are bettering the environment while also bolstering wildlife numbers, she should look to hunting and fishing group. Why not? They're the biggest funders of conservation in the United States. But I doubt her team would have her do that. I don't think she predicts in these activities. But there are plenty of non-controversial environmental conservation causes, maybe outside of the National Park Foundation, she could support. But I think her team will come to regret the carbon offset stuff and relinquish on that when this carbon marketplace starts to tumble and fall, much like ESG is. But this pop star shouldn't have to seek the approval of the public. She has defied convention time and time again. So why is she following the crowd with respect to carbon offsets? She's a smart woman. She doesn't need to do this. She doesn't need to follow the crowd. She's broken records, done unimaginable things in re-recording her music, and then breaking records across these re-records, streaming, movies, tour, and the like. She could definitely forge her own path when it comes to environmental stewardship. I doubt this podcast will get on her radar, but I hope she has good advisors who can tell her, hey, you don't need to do this. You can be philanthropic elsewhere, support great causes that will not alienate your fan base or put you and subject you into further scrutiny from the public. That's kind of my view into this. What do you guys think about carbon offsets? Should Taylor Swift be guilted into using them? Should she continue to use them? I would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify or wherever podcasts are played. Your feedback will help us reach more people and I love to know what is on your mind after each episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or a guest announcement because that is our way of updating all of you listeners and we have just hit a thousand followers on Instagram for the podcast account. Thank you very much. And if you have any guest suggestions or topics you want to hear on the show, I'm all ears. I would love to hear your feedback there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.